you have your New Testament this morning, turn to Acts chapter 10. Uh, that's where we'll be uh, this morning. Actually, uh, chapter 10, verse 1 through chapter 11 and, and verse uh, 17. And if you didn't bring your New Testament this morning, repent and bring it next time. The meaning of the word prejudice, an adverse judgment or opinion formed beforehand or without knowledge or examination of the facts, a preconceived preference or idea, the act or state of holding unreasonable preconceived judgments or convictions, irrational suspicion or hatred of a particular group, race, or religion, and finally, detriment or injury caused to a person by the preconceived unfavorable conviction of another or others. I think we would all agree that prejudice is not simply an ethnic or ethnic or race issue. There are many kinds of isolation between groups based on other differences. There are a number of ways we can display our prejudices. Prejudices. Age, disabilities, levels of education, denominational affiliation, gender, politics and ideology, economics, and social and cultural practices. The reality is we are all probably guilty of some form of prejudice, whether blatant or subtle. And so how do we overcome prejudice as God's people? This morning we continue our study of the book of Acts. We have titled this series of sermons, uh, Witnesses to the World. And our key text has been uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, where Jesus, just before he ascends back unto heaven, commissions the apostles with these words, that you will be my witnesses. First of all, in Jerusalem and Judea, then to Samaria, and ultimately to every part of the world. And the rest of the book of Acts tells us that story. And so we reach chapter 10, and the gospel has been proclaimed in Jerusalem. It has been proclaimed in Judea. We can read in Acts chapter 8 where the gospel through uh, the servant Philip, the evangelist, uh, the gospel is preached in Samaria. And so now we reach chapter 10 and we find the beginning of the gospel being spread to all nations. Or as Keith read just a few minutes ago from the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, to every ethnic group, to every race of people. And so we turn to Acts 10, and we want to address this, this issue of overcoming prejudice. And in this story, I want to suggest this morning, there are two sorts of conversions. One is Cornelius, a God-fearer, a good man, is converted to Jesus. But for our point this morning, primarily, 
Peter to a whole new point of view about Gentiles. Now, before we get to the text itself and uh, quickly summarize the story, let me share just a brief review of Jew-Gentile relationships. Jewish attitudes toward Gentiles began with the conviction that Jews were chosen by God and set apart from Gentiles and that this separation is of divine origin. In practical terms, Jews and Gentiles could not share food and shelter. This was especially so because Gentiles did not observe the biblical rules about food that we find written in the law of Moses. These food laws particularly underscored Israel's separation from the nations. We see a classic example of this attitude in a non-canonical uh, Jewish book titled Jubilees. In chapter uh, 22 and verse 16 we find this. Separate yourselves from the Gentiles and do not eat with them and do, do, do not perform deeds like theirs because their deeds are defiled and all their ways are contaminated and despicable and abominable. But as we'll see here in just, just a few minutes and as Peter eventually learns, strictly speaking, association with Gentiles was a cause of defilement in Jewish tradition rather than being strictly defined as such by the law of Moses. And again, we'll see that in Acts chapter 10 in verse 28. I don't want to take time this morning to read this entire uh, section. But let's go back and, and kind of summarize this story that again begins in chapter 10 and verse 1 and concludes in chapter 11 and verse 17. And we might outline uh, this story in four scenes. The first occurs in chapter 10 verses 1 through 8 as we are introduced to Cornelius. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generous, generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius... Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. And so here is a Roman centurion, a man of authority, a man of power, uh, a man of, of respect in this Roman city of Caesarea. But he's a God-fearer. He is a kind, considerate man. And yet there was something missing in his life. And that, of course, was Jesus. And so as, as Cornelius is experiencing this, Peter is also having his own vision in Joppa. Let's pick up the text in verse 9. 
About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was contemplating this vision that he had just experienced, the three men arrive uh, from uh, Caesarea, uh, from Cornelius. They knock on uh, Peter's door. Uh, Peter welcomes them in, and uh, they are told why they have arrived at the home where he was staying. And so he agrees to go with them to Caesarea. So let's pick up the text in verse uh, 24. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was, expe was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask you why you sent for me? And then Cornelius proceeds to tell Peter about the vision that he had experienced a few days previously. Now verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him will receive uh, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, 
these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And so we have this sharing of the gospel with Cornelius and his family. And Cornelius now has carried the tag uh, since this occasion as being the first Gentile convert. And so it's at this point in the book of Acts we begin to see a, a shift in who the gospel is proclaimed to. The gospel, of course, is for all, as Peter emphasizes in his sermon, if you will, to uh, Cornelius and his family. Jesus is Lord of all. And because he is Lord of all, the gospel is for all. And so uh, the story concludes here with Cornelius, with he and his family receiving the Holy Spirit. They're immersed into Jesus and uh, a time of, of great rejoicing. Except word gets back to Jerusalem. Now let's pick up the story in chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. And so then Peter recounts what he experienced in the vision in Joppa and then what also occurred when he shared the gospel of Jesus with Cornelius. And so uh, the, the event or the circumstances finally end in verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I want to suggest four steps uh, of progression that Peter went through, that Peter experienced to help him overcome the prejudice that he had toward Gentile people. First of all, there is the vision itself. Unclean animals are declared clean, and that principle is carried over to include people. Peter finally realizes, after he has considered the vision, when he arrives at the house of Cornelius, when Cornelius shares with him what he has experienced, it finally hits Peter that through this vision and through uh, this appointment that he had with Cornelius, that this principle of, of unclean carried over to include people, the Gentiles themselves. Number two, he also overcomes Jewish Custom. Now let's go back to chapter 10 and verse 28. Peter says to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. The word that I, I looked at, I think 25, maybe even 30 New Testament translations, in nearly every single English translation 
translates that word as law. Uh, unlawful is what you see in a number of the older translations. But in reality, this word is used in the sense of not what is forbidden by some ordinance, but to violation of tradition. It's used in the more general sense of being against custom and culture. And again, if you go back and read the Law of Moses, technically, you will not see uh, this uh, strict uh, disassociation with Gentile uh, people. It had kind of filtered down through oral tradition. And, and so Peter realizes that he must overcome this Jewish tradition of not eating, experiencing table fellowship with Gentile people. A third step in his progression to overcome prejudice, he acknowledges before the Gentiles themselves, before Cornelius and his family, an understanding of this principle. I mean, he shares with them what he now has learned and what he realizes from God, that God is no respecter of people, and neither should he be. And then finally, in chapter 11 and verse 4, there is a willingness to stand up and defend his convictions before his critics. We see that as he returns to Jerusalem and is questioned about his behavior. And so the challenge remains in every local context to abandon every form of prejudice and adopt habits such as sharing food and hospitality that promote fellowship in the grace of God. By means of the issue of hospitality, Luke demonstrates that the conversion of the first Gentile required the conversion of the church as well, as Gentiles are now welcomed into the family of God. So I want to go back and suggest seven principles that we can pull not only from this text, but a few other New Testament passages that might help us overcome our own prejudiced feelings that we may have, however blatant or subtle, whether it's ethnic in, in nature or some other kind of cultural difference. You may be prejudiced against Yankee fans. I had to work over Cub fans, Brother Greg Mays. But I got there. I got there. So seven uh, principles to help us overcome prejudice. Number one, as Peter learned, understand that God is no respecter of persons. God loves all. John 3.16, which is perhaps the most loved text in, in all of, of Scripture. God so loved the world, all of the world. Number two, realize that every human being bears the stamp of deity. We are all created in God's image, regardless of race, regardless of skin color, uh, regardless of where we're from, regardless of how much education we, we have, regardless of how much money we have in the bank. We are all created in God's image. Number three, again, as Peter learned, remember that the gospel is for everyone. 
he makes the point in his comments to, to Cornelius, again, that Jesus is not just Lord of the Jews. Jesus is Lord of all. And because he is Lord of all, all must respond to Jesus. All must have the opportunity to respond to the gospel message. Number four, don't prejudge people. Or I guess the old cliche is don't judge a book by its cover. I tend to judge a book by its thickness. So don't judge people by their thickness, whatever that means. I recall one uh, incident in, in my life when I was youth minister here. I believe it was the summer of 1987. We went on our first trek. I think myself and I think eight of our students. And we were um, going with a group from the uh, Austin uh, Street Church of Christ in Garland, Texas. Uh, former youth minister uh, at Southwest in Ada, Rick Bingham, was leading this uh, particular trek. And so we drove one of our vans, and I was responsible for driving that van, and Rick assigned a co-driver with me. His name was Marty. Marty was different. Different from anyone I had ever met in my life. I mean, I'm from Pontotoc County uh, in Oklahoma. He was from Dallas. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I've got to drive all the way to Leadville, Colorado with, with this guy. And within about two hours, I had repented of that. And Marty became uh, really my best friend that, in, that entire trip. And uh, we learned so much from uh, each other. But I had made a prejudgment. And the Lord taught me a very important lesson about that. And uh, we had a wonderful trip up there, and he rode shotgun with us all the way back. And we, of course, arrived, uh, arrived safely. So don't prejudge people. Number five, learn about other cultures. I've been, I've been very blessed uh, to, to be able, to have been able in my life to, to experience uh, other cultures and, and other traditions. Was able to spend nearly a month in, in Russia back in 1995. Some of you uh, helped me uh, make that trip. And, and uh, not, not just other cultures in foreign lands, but other cultures within our own nation whether it be the East Coast or the West Coast or North or even uh, the Deep South. And, and so committing to learning about other people, learning about uh, other cultures, uh, learning to appreciate those differences, um, understanding the things that, that, that you have in common, uh, because, because we do. We, we, we always have something in common with other uh, cultures. Number six... And this particular issue has, has really become, uh, I think, more important in the last 10 to 15 years. But defend people who are being treated with prejudice. Uh, the slang word is bullying. Being able to, to defend, uh, to step up for those who are being uh, mistreated, for those who are being treated uh, with prejudice, those who are being uh, bullied. And then finally, practice the golden rule. 
Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Here is the issue raised by the conversion of Cornelius. Would Christianity continue to be a largely Jewish phenomenon confined for the most part to Palestine? Today, will Christianity cross cultural and ethnic barriers and be spread to the ends of the earth? Will our own heritage, the churches of Christ, continue to be a largely middle-class American phenomenon confined for the most part to the south south of the Mason-Dixon line? Do you realize if you start in Lubbock, Texas, and you draw a straight line to Nashville, Tennessee, that approximately 90% of all members of the Church of Christ live south of that line? Something to think about. More specifically, will you and will I, will this congregation be willing to overcome any bigotries in our own lives to reach people with the gospel? Since God does not make distinctions for who can or cannot receive Jesus, we have no liberty to make them either. So with whom do you relate in this story this morning? Perhaps, even though we didn't spend a lot of time talking about it, you relate to Cornelius. You're a good person. You're kind. You're considerate. But you don't have Jesus in your life. Remember, he is Lord of all. And so maybe you need to respond to Jesus this morning. Confess your faith in him as your Lord. And be immersed into his name for the forgiveness of your sins. To be added to God's family. Or, with what we've tried to emphasize from this story this morning... Maybe you identify with Peter. And there is some kind of prejudice that you need to work through. Whatever your need this morning, we ask you to come while we stand and sing. Keith.